This is Two and Two Missionaries, a podcast by missionaries for missionaries. We are your hosts, missionary Philip Daniel Fry and missionary Kenneth Charles Murphy. This podcast was designed to give you ideas, so let's get right into it. I want to welcome you to this episode of Two and Two Missionaries. My name is Brother Philip Fry, missionary in Germany. With me, my co-laborer, Brother Kenneth Murphy, also missionary in Germany. We um, would like to talk about the subject of um, where to invest your time or in which people you should invest in. And I think it's a, it's a very important subject. Um, every subject that we're talking about is important, to be honest. Um because it is the culmin uh, the accumulation of of our wisdom of what we've experienced what we've experienced over the years and decades even mm-hmm. and um look the fact is and i think we all know that we cannot help everybody that we do uh second peter 3 9 even says that god does not want anybody to perish but that all come to the knowledge of the saving grace I want that, and I want everybody to to um, to get saved. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I want to help everybody in in the Lord. I mean, I want to help every missionary if I could, brother. It's, it's it, we've talked over the, these podcasts a couple of times. You know, it it's not a joy <coughs> to me to see missionaries come and missionaries leave disheartened. You know, that's, which is why we even started two and two missionaries. And I think. But at the same time, one has to be realistic and, and see that some people just don't want to listen to you or, I mean, there are so many reasons, but I mean, personally, where do you draw the line? Where, how do you know, look, this is just not, this is not going to be right to invest into uh, that person. Where, where, when do you kind of back off? I, I think it's a, a very important question. I don't know um, if I could speak for everyone because there's so many different variables and factors, but the fact is... Uh, the calling of a missionary, and uh, if anyone is contemplating going to the field in the process of going to the field, if you're on the field, you already know what I'm about to say. But um, the the task of a mis- missionary is uh, multitasking. Uh, you're going to have to wear a lot of hats. And uh, a lot of times people try to reduce the role of a missionary and distinguish it, dis- uh, distinguish the role of a missionary from that of a pastor or an evangelist. And the Bible said you're called to do the work of an evangelist. And the fact is, once you go into a foreign country and you start a local church, um, depending on what culture you're in and how willing the people are to be trained, you're going to have to also fulfill the role of a pastor while being a missionary. And so that's what I mean when I speak of multitasking. And uh, to do the work of, of an evangelist, you're seeking to train. Ultimately, you're seeking to train native men to take over that existing that work you started or to go out and start new ones and uh, on top of the daily things paul says paul says in second corinthians chapter 11 beside those things that uh, that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches so mm-hmm. paul says that uh you know that all these things befell me while i was doing my missionary job uh, as a, an apostle all these things came upon me, and besides all those things, I had to daily care for the churches. So Paul certainly knew about it, and now that's a good question, brother. And I think everyone that uh, has ever, I think, a local church pastor in the United States of America is faced with the same thing. But uh, 
I just say it as a missionary, every person, whether it be a man, woman, or child, I'm looking at them to train them to fulfill a certain part of the ministry that God has called me to. And I'm looking for people that are going to bring their backs uh, under that work, under that burden, and help with that uh, with that job. Now, the fact is, um, not everybody is called to do that. Not everyone is going to be interested in obligating themselves to the ministry that way. So the question you ask is uh, how to choose which people to work with and to invest into. It's um, anytime you work with people, you have a variable, a factor uh, that you have to take into consideration that um, not everybody wants to uh, do anything for the Lord. Not everyone wants to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, yet they want to come to church and they want to have the outward experience of Christianity. And although that is very frustrating, we cannot let those people that do not conform to what we're trying to uh, accomplish on the mission field, we can't let those people define us or frustrate us to the point that we uh, you know, leave the ministry. I'm always going to be on the lookout for someone that I can train up for the ministry. Uh, but the, you know, Paul said also, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. There's a verse that's very frustrating uh, when, you know, every church has, you know, a, a member or two in it that, that you know, they, they just seem like they're always weak or they're always needing and be comforted. And we're longing to have men that we can train up for the ministry, but uh, not everyone is Bible Institute material. Not everyone feels called to do that. So it's going to take the wisdom of God and uh, every mission field is going to be different in that um, in that sense. Because, um, you know, some people are just more willing to be taught. Well, I mean, uh, the question is, I mean, if, look, and we know that we, we put on our prayer cards starting local churches and we're starting, starting, uh, uh, you know, training men. That should be obviously the goal and should be something to look out for um, at the same time. And I just have to ask you that. I mean, we, it, it's clear that not everybody becomes a preacher. Um I always went through uh, with the rule, I give as much attention to a person as he gives to the Lord. And mm -hmm. that's a rule that was told me, that I was told, sorry, that was uh, that what, that what I was told probably when I was about 15, 16 years old. And I never, I can say I did not always comply to that rule. But to be honest, every time I did not follow that rule most of the time it it really backfired on me <laughs> i should have mm -hmm. listened to the rule what i'm saying mm -hmm. is because it's a real sound rule i mean when people don't want to serve god or they don't want my wisdom or they don't want the wisdom of god really there is a there is a there is a question why why even bother you know Paul said, too, that uh, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses commit thou to faithful men um, that are able to teach others also. So obviously, uh, and, and that's what I was getting to, uh, brother. It's a, it's a multitasking that there's a part of me that I would love to do nothing else than to just teach faithful men. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, in a country like Germany, those men are far and few between. Now, we've had... Uh, faithful men uh, over the course of my ministry, of course. We've had uh, some faithful uh, women in, in, uh, that have come to our church and long to be a part of the ministry uh, in the sense of serving in the local church. 
But we've also had, and this is the part I was talking about, uh, having uh, having to fulfill the role of a pastor. Also, not not every missionary is going to have to do that. Maybe they, they went to the mission field and they're sitting over a a group of pastors, you know, that they're able to train and send out and and do a circuit riding uh, uh, type of ministry for them then that is completely different. But when you have a local church, you're always going to have people that are weak in the faith. They're feeble-minded. And uh, those people, uh, you know, sometimes it's going to be comforted them in a, in a, in a hospital uh, bed or uh, on their deathbed. And that is part of the ministry as well. And, you know, I don't invest the same type of energy into those kind of people. It still takes energy. It still takes time. I still love them. I still thank God uh, for them, but um, when it comes to putting men into the ministry and training them for the ministry, uh, there's something that you have to really be careful with the balance of your time and especially uh, of the danger of getting frustrated um, with the lack of um, an outlet to train men like that because that's obviously what God's called us to do. So to me, that is the is the – I don't want to call it the trick, uh, but that is the challenge is to not be discouraged. And a part of that is by not making unrealistic demands on those people that that have no desire for the ministry. I just don't demand anything from them. Um, You know, there's a I think a lot of times uh, pastors have have uh, insisted that you marginalize people like that. I don't know if marginalize is, is the correct word there. Uh, I think I think most of the disappointment and discouragement can be avoided when we just don't place unrealistic demands on people that have no interest in the ministry. And so that's the rule that I uh, that I go by. Uh, and listen, it's a rule I had to learn the hard way. But I, like I said, I want to put everyone into the ministry, even children. I start them in a very early course to try to put them into the ministry at a young age. And um, obviously, um, it's a two way street. The the person has to also have a desire to to want to receive that knowledge and to use it for the Lord's glory. So that, that you know, that's why I said there's so many variables in that. When you have uh, new people and I'm faced with that sometimes, new people come to the church, new people come into the church with different doctrines, sometimes heavy doctrines like mm-hmm. Calvinism. Um, I've been experiencing this in the past where you know, I was told, don't be too hard, don't don't already, you know, kind of push them away because of, of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. But then again, you, as you know, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. These people, a lot of times, they did not come, come uh, they did not uh, change their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's yet another thing. You know, we invest into people. If somebody, for example, believes Calvinism or they believe you can lose your internal security, I mean, people went as far as to say, well, if I have a guy that comes to our church and doesn't have the King James Bible, I'm not going to shove it down their throat, which I understand and I agree Mm. to a certain degree. But then again, how far can you go with that? Well, I mean, I think there too, there's there's variables because there's people that come into our church that that don't have a right Bible, they don't have a right doctrine, they don't believe in eternal security, and they're just they're just ignorant. Uh, and with those people, I've got I have patience. Bible says have that we're to be patient with all men, and um, I have patience with those. But some of those people that are coming in, 
that'll have false doctrine or false Bible try to infect the other members in your church. And it starts influencing uh, uh, the doctrine that's taught at the church. And, you know, I think I think what you're getting at is how much tolerance should we give people and in, in, uh, uh, that come into, the, into our new works and. As a missionary, I think as most of the pastors, if they were listening to this podcast, uh, you know, you're uh, in your community. You have a community church in the United States of America uh, in on the mission field here in Germany. Uh, every person that comes to your church is a potential um, eye opener, uh, an eye opening experience for someone that's never been exposed to the truth. But every, every for every one of those that come in, they also have the potential of infecting your your congregation uh i have a young man right now in our church who's uh when when he first came to the church i was warned he doesn't believe in eternal security well i mean it's he was not going to the the church members and trying to talk them out of their eternal security and uh so what i did is i just taught and to be honest brother if he'll just come in the church and sit and be quiet, if I cannot convince him of eternal security, of him attending our church services, then it's probably because I don't know the doctrine myself. And so he's been in our church now for six or eight months. And uh, now when I teach on the subject of eternal security, he's nodding his head. So you start seeing he's turning. The ship is turning. Uh, there's other cases where I've had where people come in and Calvinism was one of them where they were uh, trying to pull away and draw them in, uh, draw men away after their uh, perverted faith. And I had to step in and, and deal with that problem. You you cannot just remain neutral. Uh, you can't just uh, deal with it. And uh, so, you know, I, th- I think you had mentioned it earlier uh, in our conversation uh, of you know, the idea that everyone is a potential pearl. And uh, do you have an experience with that? Or have you heard any wisdom concerning that uh, with the idea that if we're if we're just patient with people, that everyone is a potential pearl at some point in their life? I've heard that many times um, because of the fact we simply cannot know who becomes a potential preacher or something. But I would agree, but I have to tie it in with what you're saying, and I agree with you. I'll take it. I put a difference between somebody who is is just ignorant, like you said, and just doesn't know better, heard it somewhere, and somebody who is actually trying to hurt our ministry, hurt the ministry here, hurt, don't don't really care for, for, for my own self. And look, and maybe for some listener that sounds horrible, but the fact is I am. God has called me here, and God told me to do, to, to say some things here. And I would I would say that in 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 these doctrines, at least for Germany, I am an expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, if a person does not want that and, and doesn't want to listen to me and constantly tries to get in a conflict with me, uh, as you know, for example, you don't believe in internal security, and you do, and I, I mean we're we're doing a book about it. The fact is, we we we. We know about the subject, but mm-hmm. also in Germany, there's a growing, there's a growing um, movement or a growing numbers of people. The numbers is, is growing where people don't believe it. I mean, right. I had just on on YouTube somebody tell me that I believe in this, in this, uh, uh, in this heresy called uh, "you cannot lose your eternal uh, salvation." So 
and he just said it as a matter of fact. So how mm -hmm. I answered him, I said, well, you're just ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about, which most people don't. And by the way, the Germans that do believe in digital security also don't understand why they mm -hmm. don't believe it. They just heard it somewhere, like you said. But I think, I think there are people uh, that they just want to pick a fight. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 verse uh, 16, that you should you should stay away from that, you know, from from just uh, fights that have absolutely no bearing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to change their mind. They're not going to change your mind. Um, be, they're going to they're going to hurt your your church. So I think that's a that's a potential pearl. That that's not a pearl because they're they said it. You know, but shun profane and vain babblings. Mm -hmm. And then in a the context, it is with wrong doctrine. So that's vain babbling in the first place, you know. Uh, the doctrine of eternal security is clear in the Word of God. So, right. uh, I am. Um, I, I think that's where I say that there is pearls when it's, especially when it's a person that is just willing to learn, and then it doesn't matter how quick or how long it needs. But here's the problem I have: people who come to you and say, "Yeah, but but you know, preacher, you know, you're judging." <laughs> that's the common subject nowadays. Everybody says, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. And everybody turns to Matthew 7. And <laughs> look, what, what do you want me to tell, say to that? You're, you're judging me already by the fact that you're telling me not to judge, you're judging me. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the fact. And, and another thing is, you, we're living in a world, and I think in the United States, that the election, the, the past four years has really clearly defined that. You, you, you cannot say anymore that, for example, there's voter fraud, because if there's a voter fraud, you're a racist. <laughs> that automatically means white supremacy. And, that's, and that kind of spirit, that's extreme, but that kind of spirit obviously came over to the church. How can you not offend anybody anymore? You know, how, how can you, and that's when, when people told me that is don't unnecessarily offend someone. Right. And, and <laughs> How can you not offend someone? And then you're looking at the old uh, generation, you know, the generation uh, that uh, became preachers in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Well, they were rough. But look at what they produced. They produced people like you, like me. These, that generation produced us. Right. It didn't produce, obviously, maybe hundreds and thousands like today. But again, you have to ask yourself, even if you have a church like this, what are you going to produce in the end of the day? I mean, if, if I'm as a missionary, all I did is start at one church, which is great, but I have absolutely nobody trained in the end of the day for the ministry, and I leave that church, I well, guess what happens? It's gone. Right. After a while. Oh, that's, that's certainly the dilemma that... Um that especially in European missions, uh, um, that is a, a challenge uh, to not only go to a foreign field and start a local church, but to train men to take over that work and that it grows and that you have actually make a significant difference in the in the culture that you uh, went into change for the Lord Jesus Christ. All those things are challenges. Challenges, and that's what I was saying. With a missionary, uh, wears a lot of hats. I mean, you're not going. Now, I understand that concept in a local church in America that you're trying to change perhaps a vice. You know, maybe the whole town is given over to methamphetamines, and the whole town is junkies or whatever. You know, you're you've got your work cut out for you, obviously. But in a lot of these things, as the Cretes were slow bellies and liars, uh, the Germans and whatever mission field you go to. 
they're going to have cultural things that you have to overcome. And you have to be able to separate the people. The Bible says, but it's accepted the Lord. They first must first have be a willing mind. Uh, and it's accepted uh, according to what a man hath and not according to what he hath not. So if you've got a willing mind, we can do something with that. And when, when we're talking about starting a church and getting people to come into your church, that's one thing. But if we're talking about going to a foreign country and trying to work in many cases, there is an, an extant uh, Christian system there. It may be completely false, but uh, Brother Fry goes beyond just working with the members you get into your church. What, what about the question with working with established Christianity and the, and the people that call themselves Christians? Is it wise to join uh, forces with them and try to do uh, something uh, collectively uh, for, for the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, that's a question that I think most missionaries don't or have never even considered. Are you going to go into a culture and try to, uh, because whether it be because of loneliness, because of, uh, you know, that you want to combine your efforts, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe you don't even have a church building, you want to work together under another existing church. How far can you go with that relationship? And, and, uh, and I'm speaking this just simply so that some of the people, the potential missionaries, can give thought to, is this going to be an option for me when I go to the mission field? Well, I mean, it's if, if it's if you have people in, in the first place. But, the, <laughs> brother, I've done that. I, I, I remember there is a name, uh, rings my bell right now. It's Jacob. His name is Jacob. Uh, he was a f- former Reformed Lutheran Evangelical State Church. So he went out of that. And he took over a work uh, that was a free, uh, that's now, that's on a different bund, um, uh, a different, um, um, yeah, what is that called? A different association or or mm-hmm. or, or uh uh alliance that's the thing uh the, he's in a different uh alliance now uh but not under the state uh church anymore and so i befriended this guy we were talking probably once every two weeks and uh you know some things obviously we agreed on you know some doctrines you can always find some doctrines you agree on mm-hmm. now one major difference was for example the bible now, even his German Bible, I, didn't, I disagreed. I mean, you, you might think that, that just because it's not English, then it's just free gain. Uh, that's another thing I see in a lot of cultures all the time. It's because it's not English, now it's okay. Right. Brother, I, I don't even have to speak Burmese to, to be able to, uh, to, to test a Bible just by simply looking at the verses if they're missing. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and so... That guy obviously believed in a very in a Nestle Allen text, mm-hmm. and so I was preaching for him twice uh, in his church, and we were thinking of doing something together. But you know, I always was uneasy about it. And the reason why that was is because look, we did not agree on fundamental things. I mean, on 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 very important doctrines. I mean, you know, I, I say it all the time. And if you believe in 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 aliens or in UFOs, that, that to me doesn't make one way difference, one way or the other. You know, 
but but if if we're talking about the Bible, if we're starting to talk about, you know, um, these and these state guys, they come from a evangelical church here in Germany, brother. They they in their services, they finish with with Moses's prayer to the people, "I bless you and and, and go in mm-hmm. peace and all that stuff." They 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 preach and and pray the Lord's prayer all the time. That's that's a conflict of interest. You're you're going to have a conflict right there. Mm-hmm. Now, if I have this guy come to my church and he's starting that monkey business, what am I going to do? And what am I going to show our young people that I like this? Brother, I right. saw on, on YouTube people now, uh, not on YouTube, on Facebook, I saw people who promote John MacArthur for his stand against the government for unconstitutionally closing his church. Now, whether or not the listener right now agrees or disagrees with him is to me immaterial because... Whether he is right or wrong, the Pope also is, by the way, against some things where we are against. Does mm-hmm. not mean we're, we're promoting the Pope. And to me, it seems today in the spirit of, yeah, but look, uh, you cannot condemn everything a person says just because, you, because, because he, he, for example, John MacArthur, he, he believes in, I mean, he believes in a different gospel, to, to be clear here. I mean, he, he preaches a different gospel. Now, mm-hmm. now, if I promote a guy like this, or if I promote a guy who, who believes like him, and I befriend him, and then we lead somebody to the Lord, number one, the first problem that you're going to have is to which church is he going to? <laughs> number two, the people that you have in your own church, you promote him because you, yes. you, you, you befriend him. You cannot befriend someone and go to his church, maybe even take your church with, and vice versa, and and say well, but I don't agree with this guy, so don't go to this guy. Of course you do. People go to this guy. And by the way, that happened to me. That exact thing happened to me. So this guy then started to send. We have another thing called Mitternachtsruf here, which is a kind of a a strange group that goes around everywhere in a little town. They don't they don't ask you. They just come in and they do something and then they leave again. But so anyway. He had a uh, uh, an event planned with this group, and they he sent this guy that I befriended. He sent uh, an invitation to my people to come on Sunday. Well, mm-hmm. I guess they did. They go. They went. Here's the problem: they should come to our church on Sunday. So now I had a problem, a problem right. that I created, yep. not at that moment, but way before. Right. And and not only that, now they were exposed, and they think, yeah, well, when when. Brother Fry, he he was agreeing with him, so it must be everything right about him. Just like if you promote John MacArthur, a young babe in Christ thinks, well, then John MacArthur is a good guy. No, he's not. He's dangerous. I don't know if you had similar experiences, but that's that's where I see the danger, which my conclusion to that, I want to say the conclusion before he answer, but I think my conclusion is <laughs> just stick, stick with the people that you can agree with doctrinally they're seeking the truth yeah and look i've tried it um because of the fact that um i've tried to promote uh work a good work ethic not only in our church but when we go on the street for example and minister there there have been people that come up to us on the street and ask could they join us and could they hand out tracts and i've got no problem with that I think every Christian should experience uh, street ministry at some point in their life. So I gave them tracks in their hand, you know, and and uh, they work with us. But let me give you another example. Franklin Graham 
Franklin Graham was uh, scheduled to come to Germany this year. And I've got one of the guys in our church and he works at a, um, a Christian magazine um, publication. And it was their job to promote this crusade uh, for Franklin Graham. So automatically, because one of our members was uh, working with this uh, Christian magazine, we were expected to promote the, the same agenda. And so, you know, I thought about it. I prayed about it. And I said, look, Franklin Graham uh, has actually got the right gospel and he's going to attract a crowd. So, uh, yeah, we'll 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 commit to allowing our church to be one of the places where the people come in, the team of Franklin Graham and to teach the people what it is they expect at this crusade. And the further we got into that uh, movement, brother. Although I believe that Franklin Graham is preaching the right gospel, I started noticing they hired three Christian, uh, three charismatic um, uh, praise and worship bands. I'm talking about with electric guitars. Uh, you just close your eyes and 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 don't. If, if someone come here and did not understand German, uh, you would you would think you were listening to heavy metal music or pop music. I mean, it was just really just worldly. Mm. And I thought to myself, you know, Franklin Graham, I don't know if he would per se agree with this kind of Christianity. But I know one thing by me uh, coming into agreement to help them run their crusade. I've now placed our church at danger by exposing them to this music. And the farther the, the more I went into it, the more problems I saw. And at the end, I just said, look, we're not going to do this. COVID-19 broke out and, and canceled the crusade anyway. So I didn't have to worry about it, but I learned a very valuable lesson. Franklin Graham is uh, uh, through the whole battle with President Trump and stuff. His name has really become very uh, prominent uh, also in Germany. But I saw the danger of trying to work with somebody that does not doctrinally believe like you. And at the end of the day, I, I said this, look. If 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 this team could come inside of our church and teach our people to go out and invite people to go to a Franklin Graham crusade, then our people should be doing that already, inviting people to come to our local church. I know how to preach the gospel. I, I don't need Franklin Graham to come to Germany to teach me how to preach the gospel. And for churches to abandon their responsibilities to reach their own communities for Christ is something I don't quite understand. Uh, Franklin Graham is just a, a name. That's all he is. He's a servant of God, just like I am. And so I learned a valuable lesson that, you know, anything like that is, is really undermining what I even came to Germany for. So I, I think there's a, a, a line that has to be drawn where you want to be part of the community. And there are certainly certain things that you could agree upon. You know, if, if the churches in our area were going to get together and march through the city against abortion, I wouldn't have a problem with inviting our church to go out and join that march. And this is just hypothetical uh, or theoretical. Uh, but, but at the same time, if it went anywhere past that, that we had to do anything together, I think you're introducing a, uh, the prospect of uh, putting poison back into your church. So that's, that's where I stand on it. Again, I've had to learn some of these things by experience, but I will say this, and we've had previous podcasts uh, concerning it. Uh, when you're on the field, as long as I've been on the, on the mission field now, um, 
uh, upwards of 20 years now. Uh, and you and I have talked about that. The closest friend that I ever had to me in proximity was an hour and a half away. And we got to see each other maybe three to four times a year. And now you're actually four hours away from me. Mm. Um, the average pastor in the States has not lived under those circumstances. Uh, number one, number two, the average missionary, uh, does not stay on the field for 20 years. Uh, when they go to the mission field, they, they wash out, they change their mission fields, uh, uh, whatever that be the case. What I'm saying is this is take your energy and invest in people that have a willing mind to submit themselves to the doctrine and the sound doctrine of Christ and work with those people in, in, inside of that infrastructure that, uh, uh, that the Lord has provided. I think you would in the long run, uh, do better by concentrating on that than to try to come in and join yourself to the exe- uh, existing network that uh, whatever might uh, be found in that country that you're called to. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> the follow-up question though to that is, isn't it? that's really the, the the end of it all. I mean, where, where do you draw the line? I mean, it's obviously like you with Franklin Graham, you took that example and Franklin Graham, then you found out the music was bad. Obviously, the children obviously are going to be the biggest problem there because they're seeing it all the time. They're maybe even more gravitated towards it once you promote a guy like this mm-hmm. and all that kind of things. Already you have a problem. But, uh, you know, some people would say that, well, you know, you're, you're taking it to extreme. The Lord was not like this. The Lord wouldn't be like this. The Lord was... Uh, said that whosoever does not uh, 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 is not against me is for me and all that. You know, Paul said that uh, at least Christ is preached. So <laughs> the standard is lower, and and I don't know why it is lowered and what's the purpose for it all. I mean, as a missionary, I'm I, I'm lonely sometimes. Yeah, but that's why you have friends. I mean, let's be let's be honest to each other. When when the Naren Johnson, for example, went to Burma. He had his wife, and that was it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he didn't have a possible way of communicating. He didn't have what we're doing right now. We're we're over the internet doing this thing. Right. And we t- we before we even started the podcast, we talked what one and a half two hours, which usually is what we're doing. So we have a lot of time with each other. Uh, we don't have time where we see each other day like a face to face. We do through that thing here we were seeing face to face but you know in the flesh but these people back then didn't have that possibility mm-hmm. that they couldn't talk they wanted to reach out to their loved ones they had to send a letter which was on sea for six months and until they got a reply that was a year later mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they didn't get a reply because the letter was you know got lost so so obviously today we have a much simpler way of communicating which is why again What's the purpose of reaching out to existing people that are that we know do not agree with us on the doctrines that we hold on to? Is it just I'm I'm being too um, <laughs> idealistic and I should be realistic and say, well, mm-hmm. scratch that point, scratch that point. It's really not. It's not a problem here. It's not a problem there. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Where do you draw the line? I don't know if I could say that. Um, and and that's that's part of the dilemma. That is what I'm speaking of because uh, even if you discount the uh, the factor of 
loneliness or longing for fellowship is probably the the, the better word. If you discount that factor, uh, you still have a very real factor, uh, and this all is dependent on what mission field you're on. But when you come to, for example, when I came to Geeson, the first 10 years of my ministry here, I had no contact with any other ministry, uh, existing ministry uh, from the German side. I had no contact with them because they, number one, did not seek it out. They didn't want it, but at the same time, because I didn't come to them and their existing works and submit myself unto them and introduce myself, uh, they saw me as as being um, snobby, uh, that I thought that I was better than them, and there started to be um, actual rumors going through town that I thought myself to be, and I held myself to be better to, uh, as the other German ministers here. And I'm not saying for that reason you need to reach out to these other ministries. What I am saying is that sometimes it can cause you a bad reputation in the area that you're working with, that if you're not at least cordial to have a a superficial relationship with a pastor, then it could be viewed, depending on what country and what field you're in, it could be viewed as as you um, holding yourselves to be better than the people you're trying to reach. And Again, there's no set rule. There is no, how can I draw the line with that? Um, you're going to have to uh, ask the Lord that, and and you're going to have to face that uh, and make a decision. I think the things that we talked about in the podcast today of what effect does it have on your local church? What effect does it have on your uh, ministry and your calling? Uh, those things are should be always kept at the forefront of your decision-making and your fellowship because it does have a, a, an effect on you. I mean, we had uh, we have a church here in Geeson that you know they have probably three four hundred members. It's a free evangelical church, and on Friday nights they have a disco ball, uh, you know, where they where the teenagers come and they dance in the church. They have the church set up as a disco for the Christian disco. You know, if I choose to fellowship with that pastor and our church does anything together. There's going to be a danger that our kids are going to be invited over by some of their kids one day, uh, one day, and and you know, and then they say, "Hey, th- this Christianity stuff is doesn't have to be as rigid as I thought, and uh, I actually enjoy this here. My my flesh likes this." So there's a danger in that, and um, that's why that you have to be very cautious and use wisdom. Uh, uh, who are you going to spend your time with, and who are you going to invest in? And God didn't call us here to to build bridges to the existing ministries here. I, I actually, brother, and it may have been naive of me, but when I came to Germany, it was my sole intent. It was to win the loss for the Jesus Christ for the Lord Jesus Christ, to plant local churches, and to put sound doctrine into the existing Christian circles here. Uh, that last point has proven to be a challenge greater than the other two. Uh, because no one here is looking for you to come and correct them or to uh, give them what what we would call sound doctrine. And for that reason, I don't have much fellowship with any other ministries over here. So I hope during the podcast, no one thought that, hey, Brother Murphy is uh, is a disgruntled and and lonely missionary, and he's looking for fellowship wherever he can find it. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is a dilemma you're going to face, and you better have given thought to it, because if not, you're going to uh, find yourself in a weak moment uh, 
undoing something that you've probably worked years to try to accomplish. Yeah, and I also want to add to that uh, when you become lonely, that that could be a, a, a trap that you're falling into, lowering your standards. So you just have somebody to fellowship with. And also Absolutely. you said it right. That does not mean I'm here that maniac, that meanie, that that hates everybody. And, and uh, if you're a pastor of, of some other churches, that means it's immediately, immediately I'm picking a fight with you. That's exactly what I'm saying. Avoid vain babblings. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to stay away from it. Now, now I don't attack him. I say, well, praise the Lord for what they're doing. There is there is a reason for them there. Maybe some people want it. Praise God, they're staying away from us. That's a good thing, you know. Mm. And and that's why I held it. But I did. I do have to tell you that I I'm just not compromising. I mm. I I think the compromise is too large. I'd rather have you talk to you on Skype or FaceTime or whatever, and and fellowship like that, uh, which is more than most uh, people in uh, 200 years ago. Were, got yes. then 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 lowering my standards uh, yeah hello friend so um i think that's something that i can say and uh look I, I i would like to draw our attention because we're talking about time we're talking about investing into people also want to kind of make an announcement we we were doing two and two missionaries and you know it we, we were talking lately again we, we have a lot of obligations here. We have a lot of things to do. We have a lot of things like uh, the Bible uh, Baptist movement, which we believe in, in, and it demands a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So um, we like to give advice, but you have to, I think I want to listen and understand, to come up every week with another subject to talk about and it, that it doesn't sound redundant. Uh, it takes a lot of work and it takes it's it's basically a ministry it's a ministry basically like we said by missionaries for missionaries basically trying to help the missionaries but we also have to say that in doing that that would also mean that we have to we have to choose at some point now i would just like to say and and please you tell your comment to that uh i would like to say that that does not mean we 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 quit all together, but but we're, we're not gonna have a consistent podcast every week. Uh, mm. the, the, it will be you better you better subscribe to it because every once in a while, when we have a good subject to talk about, we'll bring it out. Uh, and the ones that are still here are are available, but it will not be on a regular basis uh, because, like I said, we have to dedicate our time to winning the Germans, winning the, the, the lost Germans. And we have taken a lot of time. And I want everybody to understand this is not something that, that comes easy. We, we have to think about uh, what to talk. We need to think about an outline. We have to talk to each other about it. And, and most of these things that we talk about, for some people, even it sounds redundant. For us, it's every time new because we are thinking constantly, how can we improve our ministry? What does the Lord uh, ask from us? We keep each other through that in check. And, <clears throat> and basically, we let you guys in into some of our conversations. But I have to say, some of the conversations we do have uh, – you know, I think some people are not ready for for some of the things we're talking about, and uh, which is another reason why it's hard to to constantly come up with something new. And and it was our intent to help the missionaries. Mm-hmm. It was not our intent to just give you some stories about what we're doing here. That's what a prayer letter is for, to be honest. And uh, but that does not mean we're we're close. I mean, if you mm-hmm. have questions, please contact us. You know. And that's what I wanted to say too. Is uh, look. Everyone that has uh, subscribed to the channel, uh, we would invite you to write any questions uh, 
or any ideas that you would think would be helpful uh, helpful for a podcast. Uh, but mainly, what we're trying to say is that we said from the very beginning, it is our intention to bring out new content once a week. And uh, but the fact of the matter is, during COVID here, uh, we are limited on what we can do uh, with our evangelical outreach, um, uh, with uh, with our evangelization. And so we've had to double down on this digital ministry. And this podcast, Two and Two Missionaries, is filling a slot that other sides of our uh, podcast where we're reaching the Germans uh, with a podcast and video material. Uh, that is expanding and the the need for it is growing. And so we're just trying to uh, to readjust our time uh, because we have time constraints just like anyone else does. And um, and at, so what we would hope is that people that have enjoyed the content until now, that they would uh, ask uh, or suggest any other uh, videos that they might need advice on. If there are any missionaries that would like to have our advice, uh, you know, we had uh, some feedback from someone that said, well, you know, people don't like to be uh, just uh, – they don't want to have it in a teaching format. And uh, I don't profess to be anybody's teacher here, but the fact is that after you've had 20 years of experience of doing something, there's something that you can learn from that person. And I hear all the time, and the German Christianity does the same thing that American Christianity do. They complain about the statistics of the need for more missionaries, the need for the gospel to be preached, uh, the, the, the fact is that missionaries wash out sometimes even before they finish their deputation. They wash out after one uh, uh, four-year stint on the mission field. Well, a lot of those things could have been avoided if, if those people would have, been, would have had contact and an open contact with someone that has done this a while and that can tell you of the dangers and some things you might should com- uh, con- uh, face before you even come to the mission field. And if you can't get these things straight, maybe you can, should even reconsider even going to the mission field. And those are some of the things we've said in the past podcast that they might sound uh, they might sound as, a, as if we're trying to be haughty, uh, that we have a haughty spirit. Uh, spirit. Uh, by no means. I'm saying that I'll tell you like my pastor told me. If I'd have known everything that I know now, uh, before I went to the mission field, if I'd have known the things that were going to, I was going to face and be confronted with, I would have probably seriously considered uh, whether or not I wanted to do that. I, I didn't have a full picture of it. Now, that does not mean I regret having done what I did. God knew what I was supposed to do here, and God knew what I was going to be confronted with. But anybody that would have a full picture of what they had in front of them, they would either A, decide to not do that or B, prepare themselves better to do, to accomplish the goal. And that was the aim of two and two missionaries. And that continues to be the aim of two and two missionaries. So at what point uh, anyone would like to hear a specific subject be covered? If you have any direct questions, we'd be glad to give uh, thought and attention to that. But as it stands now, this is a an outreach that the Lord has uh, given us opportunity Whereas many of the opportunities we used to have uh, have been taken from us because of uh, because of COVID-19. So please continue to pray for us. And uh, we do thank you for your faithfulness 
And uh, we hope that we can be a blessing to you in the future. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I want to just say one thing uh, that you said. Look, I enjoy giving advice. That is what it is. And I think also um, that the fact is what we taught or what we're teaching, we actually are doing it. We're not just saying this because it sounds good. <laughs> and uh, we did one podcast, how the necessity of a, of a movement. And that's what we're working hard on. And yes. uh, I have to say, I was surprised how much work it is. And like you said, the video content and the online content is just part of it. Once the Corona uh, lockdown or the Corona is over, well, hopefully soon, um, we will go ahead and, and have more outreach in Germany. Because let me tell you something, what we're putting our prayer card matters. I don't put anything on anywhere and I don't make that statement just to I keep financial support i mean what i say and I the, the goal is to start churches we are right now uh we are in the in the we're working on a third church to start or uh, yeah for the both of us we, we that, that takes time and it, it's 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 interesting what the lord's doing what kind of doors he's opening so uh with that said uh i enjoy it i still will will enjoy giving some advice i just need to obviously do it uh, so it is fresh for you for all of you guys and so you got guys get a get a blessing out of it and it doesn't sound like redundant and i can put my my uh my 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 thoughts to it and that's going to be you know it's just not going to be as regular as it was um but like you just said and i want to i want to express that if you feel like this is a great thing and you really got a lot of advice why don't you write us why don't you write us and tell us and ask us your questions we can make podcasts out of that but that's very important that's another sign for us to see that there is some appreciation and there is a real need out there for the missionaries now if you if you're listening and saying look I already know all that stuff. I don't need them. Then praise God too. That's okay. <laughs> no harm feelings here, you know? And I think that's, that's where, where we are. And so two and two missionaries is continuing as such, because we are two. We believe in the two by two and we're doing two by two and we're going ahead and we're having this movement. So we pray that we hope you pray for us for that uh, thing. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wish you uh, hopefully uh uh, God's blessing on your ministry and um, looking forward to hearing from you Amen You've listened to Two and Two Missionaries This podcast is by missionaries for missionaries We hope you received a blessing today Please support our podcast by subscribing to it and most importantly share it with your friends and other people who you believe will get a blessing of our podcast <laughs>